I am overwhelmed with the fact that God wants to use someone like me. Can we truly wrap our minds around the fact that Christ wants to use us when we know who we are? We don't deserve to be used by God. But God looks down and he says, yes. That's the vessel. I have designed and I desire to indwell. Work in and work through. For my glory and the furtherance of the gospel. I really still cannot wrap my mind around that. We do not deserve the privilege of serving Jesus Christ. As we alluded to this morning, we don't have to, we get to. May we never lose the awesomeness and the awe of the fact that Jesus Christ wants to use you and me for his eternal purposes. Do you believe tonight that God has a calling upon your life? Do you believe tonight, and we alluded to this in one of the other services, that your life has meaning and value? That your life is not a whoops or an uh-oh or a mistake or an accident, but rather by divine design, God has given you and me the gift of life and the purpose of existence for such a time as this. We have been crafted for this hour. We have been called to this generation. And I believe that God wants to use us to make a vast eternal impact that will literally reach an entire globe with the gospel. Would you open your Bibles with me tonight to the book of Acts, chapter number 26. This afternoon, the Lord began to press my heart for the need to go to this text. And to be very transparent with you, my heart is just burdened tonight that God would stir us for souls. God would help us to evaluate our hearts to Make sure that we are in a state of genuine surrender and dedication to the cause of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter number 26. We see here that Paul is sharing his testimony with King Agrippa and all that had gathered in the courtroom. And in the midst of this passage of Scripture in verse number 16, we find the words of the Lord. Every single time I read this text, it stirs my heart. Because just as true as, as it is for Paul, it's true for you and it's true for me. Acts 26, verse number 16, the Lord Jesus Christ declared this unto his servant, But rise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness. Verse number 18, he de describes this calling to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. May the Lord help us tonight to once again hear that call and heed the call of God upon our lives. Understanding that every single life has a divine design and God has a purpose for our existence and God wants to use us and may we crave to be used of God to the maximum, to experience God unleashed in every task and everything along the journey in his will, in his work, that we will fulfill everything. And someday as we look back, we could testify as Paul, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I have, as he exhorts Timothy in Timothy chapter number two, verse number, uh, Timothy chapter number four, he says, make full proof of the ministry or complete every single aspect, fulfill every single 
part. Heavenly Father, we ask that you'd please help us tonight. That's why we're here. Lord, it's been a wonderful journey this week of the spiritual truths that you've had us to study and to discover. Lord, as you've sought to speak to our hearts time and again, I know that you've done a work in my life, and thank you for that work. We ask, Holy Spirit of God, that you'd please have great liberty to move and work from heart to heart. Please, would you burn within me? I pray that you would ignite our hearts tonight with a sacred fire, with a burden to reach a world in desperate need of thee, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for your love and thank you for your goodness and thank you for your grace and thank you for your mercy and thank you for your faithfulness and all these things that we rejoice in as we sung tonight as a church family that we get to exalt you and magnify you concerning. But Father, help us to understand that there is a lost and dying world outside these doors. There's a lost and dying world around this world that deserves to have the exact same joy of knowing. Stir our heart for souls. We ask for fresh anointing of thy power. We look to thee now. and Thank you for these truths and thank you for this text and what we're about to study this evening. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. We see here that in verse number 16, Paul speaks unto, uh, the Lord speaks unto Paul and says these words, but rise. That's a good place to start. Don't sit idly by. Rather, stand up for Jesus as a soldier of the cross. Don't be someone who's going to sit on the sidelines, someone who's going to take it easy, but rather uh, get down under the front lines and have a heart's desire to be used of God. And I believe that there needs to be a very crystal clear call to 21st century Christianity to rise up out of the apathy, could it be, and rise up out of the lethargy, and rise up out of the ease and the complacency and the average and the mundane and the status quo, and rise up for God in their heart and say, Lord, what is it that you have for me? Here am I, send me. I have risen to the task. God, please use my life to understand that every single person has purpose. But God is not done with any single one of us until we draw our final breath and we're with him in glory. If you're alive tonight, which is all of us, please don't die. (laughs) But if you're alive tonight, God's not through with you yet. Don't look at yourself as an individual that's been put on the shelf. God doesn't put anybody on the shelf. What happens is our sin disqualifies us from service, and we need to become a clean vessel, uh, as the Bible describes, uh, uh, a vessel of honor uh, that has been sanctified and meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. Sometimes it's our self-centeredness that takes us out of the will and work of God and puts us on the shelf, because what happens is no longer are we consumed and concentrated upon Jesus and consecrated unto our sweet Lord and to reaching the lost around us. What happens is we've no longer longer are looking unto Jesus and looking on the fields, we have begun to look upon ourselves and focus on ourselves and do that which is right in our own eyes. And God says, I can't use a person. I can't fill a person. I can't work through a person. I cannot flow through a person that's filled with themselves and has no desire to do what I've called them to do. Could it be that you feel like you're on the shelf tonight? Well, God didn't put you there. My sin and your sin puts us on the shelf. My self-centeredness, my pride and my arrogance of what I want to do and not living as we just heard them sing uh, that crucified life where it says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. This is the state of being that we ought to be in. Ever-present tense, I am crucified with Christ. 
my dreams, my goals, my ambitions, my desires, I am going to kill it. I'm going to mortify the deeds of my flesh. I'm going to slay my carnal nature. And no longer do I want to fulfill that which is right in my own eyes. God, take what's within my heart and rip it out, oh God. And please put within my heart what is on your heart for my life. God, I want to do what you would have me to do. You know what the Lord would have us to do? Reach a world with the gospel. As someone once said, his last command should be our first priority. I think about when my father went to heaven four years ago. And I won't share it publicly, but he told me something. And I have never forgotten those words. And I think of our sweet Savior. As he was standing there before the disciples, and we find it penned within the Gospels, specifically Mark 16, 15, go ye into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. And that's one thing I love about my dad. Of course, he was a very genuine man, very surrendered man, uh, was willing to be used of God in whatever capacity God had him as he was faithfully engaged in his local church and reaching that community and things as a bus captain and junior church preacher and uh, song leader, anything he could do. Yes, sir, preacher, sign me up. I'm all in. We need laymen like that. Fully engaged in the work of God. But you know, God called my dad to preach at the age of 53, you're never too old to go on ministry. I actually believe that those who are able to achieve an early retirement, you are prime candidates to going into full-time ministry. Because now you've got uh, the benefits and you've got the retirement, you've got things, and instead of uh, coasting in those sunset years with all the experiences and the blessings that God has entrusted unto you in the journey of life and just sitting back and, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and kick up my feet and just kind of enjoy life as I coast into glory. No. There are people that God wants you to reach. There are families he would have you to disciple, marriages he would uh, like to use you to salvage, and uh, lost souls and various individuals, I believe even around the world, that he could use you to reach before it's too late. May God help our hearts to burn again, to be stirred, uh, to have a filling of fire once again for those in desperate need of Christ. But rise. Could it be that some of us are sitting at ease on the sidelines. And it's time that we stand up for Jesus and we get serious about serving God. And no longer are we content with the status quo. God generates a hunger for the supernatural within us. And we will roll up our sleeves and we will get engaged and involved and we will still stay faithful in the fight until our final breath. And we will not quit. And we will not throw in the towel. And we're not going to do less and less, but rather we're going to seek to do more and more, always abounding in the work of the Lord. God, give us a courageous spirit for Christ. But rise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, the Bible says, to make thee a minister and a witness. What's a minister? It's talking about being a servant. Do you realize tonight that servanthood is greatness? according to Jesus. It's fascinating that in the Gospels, the Bible records a handful of times that the disciples argued among themselves who was the greatest. Of course, always outside of earshot of Jesus, but he could hear all things. He could hear their thoughts as well. And they were arguing and bickering and 
had strife among themselves, the Bible says, about what was the pecking order of Christianity and what was the list from 1 through 12 of who was the top dog all the way down to the bottom shelf, you know? And uh, all of these things, and Jesus so many times lovingly scolded them and he corrected them and rebuked them and tried to bring them along and things and even with his own testimony sought to do that. I believe it's in Luke chapter number 22 where they were gathered together in that upper room. Think about that. This is the last time they're able to fellowship with Jesus Christ before he is going to endure all the suffering and the agony of the cross. And in that very moment of when they're breaking bread and drinking from the cup and reflecting upon what's about to take place, there is a conversation that arises among them about who is the greatest. Are you kidding me? And so many times if we're not careful, we'll point our finger at them and say, man, such, such naughty disciples. Wait a second. How many times have we begun, been guilty of this? In our flesh, no, it may not be a public thing. We may not talk about it. But within our heart, we begin to reason. Well, as long as I'm not like them. Yeah, we know brother so-and-so, he's blackslidden. We know that family, yeah, they're just, you know, they're just not the way it used to be, you know. And God have mercy. Could it be we strive among ourselves trying to figure out who's the top dog? No. Rather, Jesus taught us that the greatest among us are those who will serve. A selfless service. A spirit-sensitive service. Just lead me and I'll do it. Tell me where to go. Tell me who to talk to. Whatever it is that you have to me, I'm engaged. I don't care if people see me or not. That's not what I'm in it for anyway. I hope they don't see me. I just want to get the job done so things can go forward. Servanthood is greatness. I've appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make you and form you and fashion you and mold you into this. Someday I pray that we all get to hear that statement, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. I do not believe we will hear those words if we're not a servant. I don't think we'll hear the words if we're not faithful. I don't think we'll hear the words if we're not good, <laughs> holy, and desiring to honor Him and glorify Him with our heart and our mind and our spirit and our body. I know we're not perfect, never will be. We alluded to that this morning. But there's nothing wrong in striving to be perfect and to walk in his steps, amen. And from moment to moment, Lord, help me. I've prayed this so many times. I even prayed it today. Lord, help me to live this next hour without committing sin. I don't want to grieve you. Lord, if something uh, crops its ugly head up, I pray that you'd give me the victory. Uh, and Lord, please, I yield myself to you. Squelch that in that very moment, decisively, as we heard preached so wonderfully this morning. I don't think we'll hear this statement, well done, thou good and faithful servant, until we do well. Doing well is not erratic Christianity. Doing well is not anemic Christianity, barely making it by. 
Doing well is not flippant Christianity. Doing well is not casual Christianity. By the way, the world has never burnt a casual Christian to the stake. We get all fired up and pumped, man, uh, with all these different people that have given their life for the cause of Christ and all how it stirs us, uh, and we applaud them, so to speak, that they gave every single drop of blood for the cause of Christ and for his glory and for the gospel, and we are not willing to give one drop of our own for his name. My heart is so burdened tonight. God so excitedly and came to Paul and said, rise, come on, get up. Go on, I want to use you. I've got a purpose for your life. And I will use you if you're willing to be used. And if you'd surrender yourself and give yourself, uh, I will mold you. I'll make you into the servant uh, that uh, you can be. And you will accomplish great things as, as you seek to selflessly uh, uh, lose your life for my name's sake and the gospel. And as you lose yourself, it's not about me. It's all about him. It's not about Caleb. It's all about Jesus. And as I give my life entirely unto Jesus, you will find the fulfillment uh, of joy and you will experience experience uh, greatness and all oh, use you to accomplish miraculous things for my kingdom. We like to talk about it, but how are we doing living it? Do you have a heart that wants to be served? Or are you looking for any way possible to serve Jesus and serve others? I want to make you a minister, he said, and a witness. Minister refers to servant. A witness refers to being a soul winner. I believe there's nothing greater in our life that we could do than simply being a servant of God and a soul winner for Jesus Christ. This is the purpose of our existence. Ultimately, to reach souls and they keep them out of hell. We find here very clearly a call of God. There certainly is a call from heaven. And we even quoted of the Great Commission. Uh, and go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. To understand that this is not the great consideration. This is not, you know, uh, let me give you a good suggestion or some advice or my, my opinion on uh, what I think that you should do. But rather, no, this is a commission. This is a charge. This is a challenge to be engaged. And I'm concerned that the Great Commission, could it be, has become a great omission. Could it be the Great Commission has become the great commotion. Man, we talk about soul winning and we talk about missions and we'll throw uh, uh, and we'll scrape the top of our finances and chuck it in the offering plate and think we're doing our good deed. Uh, and all these things we talk about souls uh, but a world is still dying and going to hell I believe that any Christian in church who is not actively seeking to reach the lost as God gives them opportunity is backslidden and living in open disobedience before a holy God the church is not a property. The church is not this building. The church is a people. 
And so many times in churches across America, we hear of the testimonies of people who get saved. The baptistry waters have been stirred. And we sit back and we do our little polite clap. But we have not lifted one fingernail in seeking to reach the lost around us. Oh, yes, there is a militant force within our church, a special missions team, if you will, that's going out, and we've got evangelists on the road, and we've got this, and we've got that. What are you doing for the cause of Jesus Christ? When's the last time that you passed out a gospel track? When's the last time that you opened your Bible and you showed someone uh, the wonderful clarity of the gospel? When is the last time that you just looked into somebody's eyes in passing in a brief and said, God bless you, Jesus loves you, he died for you? That you brighten the corner where God had placed you. This calling is for every single believer. Could it be our churches and even our youth departments and our colleges have become glorified social clubs and rotary clubs with high-class citizens surrounded by comfortable buildings and cultured services that present packaged Christianity with our cute uh, rehearsed performances and our sermonettes that tickle the back of ears ultimately? No passion, no conviction, no fire, no radical spirit or of sacrifice to reach a world for Jesus Christ and to turn a world upside down. It's interesting, when the Lord gave the Great Commission, the world was full of lost souls. But do you realize that right now in 2023, there are 25 times more people on the earth than the entire population of the world when the Great Commission was given? Don't you think there should be at least 25 times more the amount of urgency and fervency in reaching the lost? Rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, to open their eyes. That's beautiful. To behold that there is hope. I can find help in Christ. To realize that I don't have to be bound in the shackles of sin. I can experience sweet liberty in Jesus Christ. My soul can be saved. My marriage can be happy. My children can be raised. Praise God for eyes to be opened. God literally wants to use you individually tonight throughout the rest of your life to open people's eyes to the truth, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light. Think about that. From the power of Satan unto God. The battle for souls and those who are hanging in the balance. That those who were lost might receive forgiveness of sins. And Jesus said, and just listen as I quote from some verses, John 15, 16, I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit. I have not saved you to sit around. I have saved you to send you out to reach those who are perishing. I love Jeremiah 1, 4. The Bible says this. Just listen. Let it wash over your soul. It's so wonderful. Uh, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Isn't it wonderful that before you were even a human thought? To your parents, God knew exactly who you were, and God was so thrilled 
and exhilarated about your existence and how that he was going to use you to make a difference for eternity. And Jeremiah's response was this, Ah, Lord God, I I cannot speak for I'm a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. How invigorating, how ennobling, how arousing and stirring. God wants to use me? Yes. Each of us have been called, chosen, and commissioned by Jesus to reach our neighbors, to reach our loved ones and our co-workers and our communities and our country and even the world while there's still time. As we mentioned last night, I'll say it again tonight. God would not call the Christian and commission the church to accomplish something that couldn't be possible in his presence and through his power. I believe that we can give every single human being on the planet an opportunity to receive or reject Jesus Christ. There certainly is, biblically, a call from heaven. Transitioning, would we, you look with me to Luke chapter number 16 tonight as we think about also the call from hell. The call from hell. Luke 16, the Bible says in verse number 19, I'll begin to read for the sake of time, and you can follow along, jump in there when you get to the page. Uh, Luke 16, verse number 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. Just preached from this text on Sunday about living in the light of eternity. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died. Now what is Jesus doing here textually? He's seeking to cut a slit, if you will, into the very fabric of time and space and pull it open for us to glimpse the reality of eternity. To see heaven, to see hell. May I ask a question tonight? When is the last time that you visited hell? Jesus spoke more about hell than he did heaven. When's the last time that you used your imagination and you read passages such as this and, and you imagined what it uh, feels like and you imagine what it smelled like and you imagine what it sounds like and you read Bible passages such as this and think realistically about hell? And could it be that we don't have a passion to open eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan and to God and all these things because we don't realize that hell is real as the Bible describes it. We've got a little patty cake, patty cake, mamby-pamby Christianity of going through the motions with no fire, no fervency to reach a world that is sitting in absolute darkness in desperate need of Jesus Christ. My heart is so burdened tonight. Luke 16, we find the Bible says, when the beggar died, in verse number 22, he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried and in hell. He lifted up his eyes, being in torments. And seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. And here's a man who had literally everything at his fingertips and now he's begging for one drop of water from the tip of a beggar's finger. A man that he wouldn't even touch. A man that he would never have engaged in, if you will, on the other side of eternity. And now he's begging for a bungee cord to be wrapped around uh, uh, Lazarus's waist and to be thrown down into the very depths of hell and there as they make contact uh-huh, that's all I want 
please. I beg of you. We know what the answer was. The answer was no. And once he realized for certainty that his fate was sealed, he no longer thinks about himself, but he begins to think about those living who were still left upon the earth. He begins to plead for his five brethren that were lost so that they wouldn't perish and die and go to hell. We find, I believe, as Jesus is describing uh, this true story, that this man experienced a radical passion for evangelism. He discovered a gut-wrenching concern for the lost and for those who were still alive, excruciating alarm, horrified to think for one moment uh, of a loved one or a family member or somebody who didn't receive Christ, ending in that same place of horror and torment and anguish and wailing and weeping, and they were begging, please don't let them come send somebody. We have been sent. It's interesting. I believe this. I believe this. That as we actively go soul winning and strive to reach the lost, you and I, that we are someone's answer to prayer in hell. For Caleb Garraway to turn a cold soldier, soul, shoulder and the Spirit of God is pressing upon me uh, to, to hand out a gospel tracker to speak someone. Uh, and, and it seems so awkward. It seems so embarrassing. But in that moment of the Spirit-led life, and the Spirit will always lead you to be an active soul winner. You are not Spirit-filled if you're not soul winning. We know that to be true. And so whatever you're talking about being Spirit-filled and you're not engaged in evangelism, it's not biblical Spirit-filled. I don't know what it is. Man, as they uh, uh, have a heart's desire to see people saved, those who are spirit-led, they go out of their way and they hand out those gospel tracts. They do what they can to be a witness for the Lord. And I believe that that is a direct answer to someone who's crying out for their soul, that loved one, to be saved. Do you hear the call? God has certainly given one. Do you hear the call from hell? a place of agony and suffering and torment. We won't go into describing hell tonight. I challenge you to do that alone in a private prayer closet that you would ask God to reveal unto you uh, the anguish and the suffering of that dreadful place. Visit hell in your mind as you read texts about it throughout Scripture. And we find also in Acts chapter number 16, uh, just 10 chapters previous to where we began tonight, in Acts chapter number 16, that there was a man of Macedonia that was standing there in Paul's vision, and he entreated Paul to come and to reach them. Would you turn there with me in Acts chapter number 16? Acts 16, verse number 9. Acts 16, verse number 9, the Bible says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. May God give us a vision. Using this term by way of application, that God would give us the right kind of perspective. That God would help us to have an eternal perspective. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. I believe that right now there are lost souls waiting on you and me. Those that have been called to missions, those that I pray who would not resist the call to missions, if you are one, 
there are literal villages filled with boys and girls and men and women, communities and towns that are just waiting for someone to set them free from the power of darkness. And right now, there are real people in need of a very real Savior. Jesus worded it this way. He said, the harvest truly is plenteous. I just read that in Might of Oceans this morning. But the laborers are what? Few. There's a great need, a great crisis, but there's a great complacency. The laborers are few. We have a great commission, but how many are actually engaged in doing it? It's interesting, and just to jump ahead of myself uh, here for a moment, uh, to realize that uh, there, concerning evangelism and soul winning and these things, statistics reveal that sadly 95% of Christians have never won a soul to Jesus Christ. How about it, college? I'm going to go to such and such country. What are you doing here? My heart is burdened tonight. I, you're being so kind and so attentive to listen to a man that his heart is so stirred. I feel like I can't get one word right in front of another. You know, it's just you're trying to preach and it's just, it's just so much in there. I hope that it's coming out making sense out there. <laughs> I prayed this with my wife tonight. Lord, just let me get up there and burn. You told me to preach from this verse, so I'm going to preach from this verse, preach about souls and preach about seeing people saved, about serving God. Lord, just let me preach it. I was preaching with David Gibbs last year, and he said this. I, was, I literally had to pick up my jaw from the floor. I, I stunned. He said this, only 7% of Christians witness. He said, of those 7% who witness, only 6% of those do it faithfully. The laborers are few, yet the call from the harvest field still remains the same. 63% of pastors and deacons have not led a stranger to Christ in the past two years. They led people to the Lord, but it's from follow-up cards. It's from people coming to their office. It's from recommendations from other church members. But there's been a long time since they've put on the old-fashioned shoe leather and gone out there and knocked on doors. 63% of pastors and deacons have not led a stranger to Jesus Christ in the past two years. 89% of pastors and deacons have zero time reserved in their weekly priorities for going out to evangelize. And now 47% of Christian millennials, my age group, 25-year-olds to the 40-year-olds, 47% of Christian millennials, do, uh, they believe that it's wrong to evangelize. It's wrong for one to share his personal beliefs with someone else of a different faith or someone with no faith in hopes that they will one day share the same faith. According to Lifeway Research, uh, right after COVID, it was the cusp of 2021, actually this came out, over, it revealed this Lifeway Research, over 60% of church members hadn't shared the gospel with anyone in the past six months. There's a call from the harvest field. There's a call from hell. There's a call from heaven. 
Jesus said, say not ye. There are four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Being from Iowa, we're a little familiar with this. When it's time for harvest, the farmers are out there and some of them even sleep in their tractors in order to be able to reap the vast fields, acres upon acres upon acres of crop where they have a short window to harvest it all in. There's a danger of losing some. And Jesus said the fields are white under the harvest. This signifies white under the harvest, meaning that it's past due. It's overripe. It's literally about to expire. A wind could blow and knock the fruit off the plant. There is a job that must be done. When it's white, there's a danger that we won't have time to get it all. You realize that every single day, it's mind-blowing. 151,600 people step foot into eternity. A very real heaven or a very real hell. That's an average of 6,316 every hour. We've been here for 71 minutes. That's 105 every single minute. That's approximately two souls every single second. Missionary Amy Carmichael called of God to go reach the lost in India through the Keswick Convention. Said, does it not stir up our hearts to go forth and help them? Does it not make us long to leave our luxury, our exceeding abundant light, and go to them that sit in darkness? Right now in 2023, so much technology the world becoming a smaller place through the internet and all these different things of being able to become connected, there are still over 2 billion human beings who have never once heard the name Jesus. India alone, there's over a half a million villages that have no Christian witness. There are more than 4,000 people groups, people groups that are less than 2% Christian. There are more than 500 people groups worldwide with not a single Christian living among them and no one, zero, no one attempting to reach them. I did the math. If all the lost people on the earth could form a single file line, it would circle the earth 50 times. And that line grows an average of 72 miles every single day. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? That's a valid question, isn't it? The gospel is not one, two, three, repeat after me. But the gospel is simple as ABC. You gotta believe in Christ. But how are they gonna believe in him in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And God so wondrously looks down upon your life. And I believe with uh, tears streaming down his cheeks as he remembers the sacrifice that he gave on Calvary for every single man, woman, and child, every single human being. Listen, salvation is for all people. Amen, church? We don't believe in the heresy of Calvinism. God died for some to go to heaven. The rest are damned to hell. We are not professing Calvinists, but could it be that we're guilty of being practicing ones by our selective soul winning and our limited outreaches? I was stirred by one of Dr. John Rice's last letters he ever penned 
dictated just days before his death. He said this, I still envision hundreds walking the aisles to accept Christ. I still feel hot tears for the lost. I still see God working miracles. Oh, how I long to see great revivals. I want a burden for souls, a heart to bring in the lost sheep to the shepherd. May food be tasteless and music a discord. If I forget the dying millions, if this fire in my bones does not still flame, nor till I die or till Jesus comes, will I ever be eased of this burden, these tears, this toil to save souls. A call from the harvest field. And in conclusion tonight, there ought to be a call from within your heart. If you are a born-again child of God, there should be a natural burden and a burning within that is swooning your soul to reach the multitudes before it's too late. There should be a cry that comes from within, something welling up from your bones itself. And if not tonight, we need to flood an altar. We need to seek God in a private prayer closet. We need to beg the Lord again. And we need to seek his face and say, God, why do I not feel a burning? God, why do I not feel a burden? What's wrong with me? Why have I become lifeless and indifferent and cold? Oh, God, where's my passion for souls? You were so passionate that you left behind heaven's glory and came to this earth and subjugated yourself to die on the cross and to be redeemed rejected and reviled and despised and spit upon and beaten with the cat of nine tails hanging naked upon the tree. Your own mother couldn't even recognize you. Oh, God. C.T. Studd said this. He said, how can I spend the best years of my life living for the honors of this world when thousands of souls are perishing every day? If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. I'll read just one verse. I have half a dozen in my notes. We need to have an invitation. This final verse would be Isaiah 62, verse number one, where it declares, and listen carefully, for Zion's sake, for heaven's sake, I will not hold my peace. And yes, he was understanding God's call upon his life, but also this was something that was coming, welling up within his heart. He could not sit or stand idly by, but rather he was going to rise up, whether it was popular or not, whether people wanted to listen to the gospel truth, if you will, or not. He was going to let his light shine, and it was going to have a life that would be on fire for him, a sacred fire to save souls from hellfire. For Zion's sake, will I not hold my peace? For Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest. That we tonight would put Menominee Falls Wisconsin in that verse. For my own city, my own town, I will not rest until the righteousness thereof goes forth as brightness and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. God is a calling upon your life. Will you resist the call of God? Have you answered the call of God? Have you shirked from what God has called you to do in your life? Have you gone calloused and cold about his calling. Does the fire still burn? I pray that these truths tonight would just stir our hearts for an even greater passion of reaching the lost around us. It's so wonderful and exciting, church, that God wants to use people like us. May we not quit and may we not rest, knowing that he is going to use us to make an impact in this world before it's too late. The devil wants to cause the light to blow out, but Jesus is trying to gently blow on the fire to cause it to burn bigger and brighter. Let the Holy Ghost breathe in your heart and cause that sacred fire to consume you even more. Amen?